Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. My name is Joe Armstrong. Welcome to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, Phoebe Bridgers. Phoebe Bridgers was already writing solid songs and making the rounds of L.A. music venues when she got cast in a commercial for Apple's iPhone 5S in early 2014. The ad depicted numerous musicians in different settings using the new smartphone to assemble a song. While other musicians in the spot tuned a bass in a studio, plugged in a guitar to busk in a subway, tumbled into a driving drumbeat, and staged an interactive performance art piece, Bridgers' face and voice were prominently featured singing the chorus of the Pixie song Gigantic, essentially starring in a television commercial likely seen by millions. In the internet age, this is just the kind of FaceTime that launches careers. People googled Bridgers and her star began to rise. Fortunately for her, she has the talent and a growing number of well-crafted songs to justify the buzz. Bridgers' writing chops are years beyond her youthful voice, and it is this combination of sweetness and wisdom that sets her apart from her peers in a city filled with aspiring performers. Phoebe Bridgers and her songs are subtle and powerful, tender and commanding, vulnerable and confident, and she is unafraid to be all of these things at once. Welcome to Independence Day, Phoebe Bridgers. Hey, Phoebe. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. It's a beautiful day in Southern California. Yes, it is. We live here now. You're (laughs) you're essentially Los Angeles based. Are you? You're from the area here too, as well. Yeah, I'm from LA. Okay, and what strikes me so much about you? You're you're a young artist. You're kind of like just getting started in what you're doing. But you've you've been writing songs for a while, and you write like kind of like an old soul. You know, what your music is is very much a mixture of like it's like bittersweet in a way. You know, you've got kind of stark, there's a lot of references to blood and a lot of references to like visceral things, yeah. but yet they're, they're love songs though. So, I mean, I guess the first question, I'd like to dive into songwriting first because it's yeah. something like for a young artist to write with such a mature point of view. You know, who were the people that got you into writing? Was it someone specific in your world? Was it an album you heard? Was it a band you liked? Like, what was it that got you, not just, not just performing, because it's kind of a difference, like everybody kind of strums their guitar or whatever, uh, but you're writing at a high level at a young age. So what was your what were your writing influences? I think that my biggest influence when I was really young was probably Tom Waits. My dad was a huge Tom Waits fan, and and I had those records around. Um, and then I heard Elliot Smith somewhere, and kind of completely just was obsessed, and you know own every piece of music that he ever made and. Uh, I just really liked that. I think Tom Waits said something like, I like beautiful melodies telling me terrible things. I think he said that. Um, And I was always really interested in in stuff like that that was really pretty or maybe didn't seem dark. And then when you paid closer attention, it was a little dark. (laughs) Yeah, I've always, personally, I mean, as a fan of music and as a writer too, I've always liked the music that's, it's either minor key with happy lyrics or right. it's major key with sad lyrics. Exactly. Like I like I like bitter with my sweet. Totally. You know? Totally. And I, I think just think it lends a different type of gravitas. Totally. To what you're doing. So now here's a question. This is an in, this is inside baseball for Tom Waits people, uh, which I most certainly am. 
um, he has like distinct phases in his career. Yeah. And although there are, there are through lines in terms of, like you said, mixing the bitter and the sweet, but was it like the early jazzy Tom Waits? Was it the mid period gypsy Tom Waits? Was it the industrial sounding with the chains? Like, or was it just kind of all of it? It was all of it. I think the first record that I fell in love with was real gone. Oh wow, it's a late one. Late, yeah, and yeah, then Orphans, yeah. which is also late. Right, right. And then I, you know, picked up really, really early closing time. Tom Waits. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love it all, but the like day after tomorrow, and what else was there? Georgia Lee. Yeah. Those songs that you just have to play, pay closer attention, and and they're really dark. Yeah. I I loved that, and, and they're, they're beautiful. They're deep. Yeah, you know, like the song, like I, you always. This is kind of macabre, but we've already gone into that that realm already. But like I, you know, people think about what I want, what do I want to be played at my own funeral? Totally. And for me, it's two different Tom Waits songs. I can't figure out which one it is. Yeah, it's either "Take It With Me When I Go," which it gets me choked up. Like I've listened to that song ten thousand times, and it still gets me choked Amazing. up. That last line is the most beautiful thing you could write. You know, in a house, there's a town. Wait, no, in a in a, in a town, there's a house. In a house. How am I going? I'm screwing this up now. <laughs> in, in a town, there's a house, and that house. How does? I'm, geez, I'm really making a mess. Yeah, of this. I, he's, I, like, I, he's like he's basically he, can, he takes it, it from macro down to micro. He's like right. in, a, in a town, there's a house, in a house, there's a you know there's a woman, and in that woman, there's a heart I love. I'm going to take it with me when I go. Right. Jesus, man. It's awesome. Where do you write that kind of Seriously. stuff? I mean, he writes with his wife too, so maybe it's both of them. Yeah, isn't she's been his manager for just his whole career. She really straightened out his life too. Yeah. Because he was kind of a you know screw up yeah. when she met him, and then she really straightened things out, and now he's been nice guy. Like, he's got his own compound up there in Sonoma County. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, well, we share that in common. I mean, and the funny thing is, you know, as someone who's such a big Tom Waits fan that, that you are, you know, like you've said, um, it's impossible to sound like Tom Waits because as soon as you try, it's like everyone, it's like a big red flag. Oh, he's trying to sound like Tom right, Waits. Right, right. And know? I think someone said once that no matter what Tom Waits does, if he was going to put out a, like a hip hop R&B record right now, you'd be like, oh, and it would just become Tom Waits. Everything that he does, he takes a swing at jazz. He takes a swing at, you know, folk. Everything comes out Tom Waits. Yeah. I felt very strongly for a long time that he's his own genre. Yeah, Or totally. he's his own style. He should have his own bin at the record store right. if there were record stores anymore. But <laughs> he's his own thing, and that's what I love so much about him. Anyway, enough of the Tom Waits Admiration Society <laughs> stuff there. But, but one thing, like, you know, being such a young musician, so you were probably pretty young then when you were listening to Tom Waits. Very young. And, you know, now, what did your friends think of this? Did you, like, when other girls oh, are coming man. over and playing, like, I don't even know what those girls would play, One Direction, I don't know. Right. And then <laughs> you're, you're, you're putting on, like, Rain Dogs? Like, what did yeah. they think of this? I had some friends who were who were big music fr- fans. A lot of classic rock, I felt like, was were, were the parents of my generation were all listening to classic rock. So there was a lot of classic rock, and then... But I also, I also was listening to whatever was on the radio. I remember really loving Death Cab for Cutie. Right. And uh, so I was definitely not only listening to Tom Waits. Right. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, we all have a lot of stuff, but I mean, it's, it's such a unique thing for a very young person to be into. I didn't get into Tom Waits. I guess I was probably about your age. It was college, yeah. college age for me, early college. Yeah. I don't think it really made me weird. I definitely remember not being able to fall asleep to certain Tom Waits songs on my iPod because yeah, okay. they were scary. That's how yeah. young I was. 
That's how young I was. I w- it was like the the scary Tom Waits songs would make me have like nightmares. <laughs> so what's what's scary then? What do you think? The uh, what's he building in there? Do you oh, know that yeah, track yeah. where it's just word. like it's just nuts. Yeah, I couldn't listen to that before I went to bed. Uh, yeah, I definitely didn't like sing those songs in the car with my girlfriends when I was like twelve. Yeah, subscriptions but, to those yeah, magazines. Oh my god, exactly. What's he building in there? Yeah. But that's what he's going for. And then there's, exactly. we, we referenced uh, Orphans, which was kind of a B-side thing. And the mm-hmm. most incredible thing about that record, and then I promise we'll stop talking about Tom Waits, we'll get back to your <laughs> stuff, is that uh, that's all his B-sides and leftover random stuff. Yeah. And it's big. It's three albums It's amazing. Worth. And honestly, I think that's as good as anything he's ever done. Right. Honestly. I think so, too. I listen to that as much as I listen to Rain Dogs. Me, too. Anyway. All right. So I'm talking to Phoebe Bridgers. She's a young singer-songwriter based here in Los Angeles, and she's really, really good. You guys should check her out. Uh, do not let her age fool you. You can find her on Facebook, facebook.com slash Phoebe Bridgers, B-R-I-D-G-E-R-S. Also, soundcloud.com slash Phoebe Bridgers and phoebebridgers1.bandcamp.com. She's got some really great stuff on there and a brand new 7-inch that just came out yesterday. Yeah. It's called Killer, which is kind of an updated, different version of your last EP that you released. But this one's all acoustic and it's on vinyl and it's how many songs? Three. Three songs. Three songs. It's acoustic. I'm, I'm really... I'm really happy about it. I think it's the most me thing that I've ever done. All right. Well, fantastic. Yeah. In, in your long and storied career. <laughs> All right. So let's hear this. This is a track from uh, from this record, right, Killer? This Georgia track we're about to play right now? That's yeah. from that. Okay. So let's play this. This is the track Georgia from Phoebe Bridgers on Independence Day. Yeah. 
through the water without a sound And with my back to the shoreline I dreamt that he drowned I dreamt that he drowned Sometimes when he looks at Joe Armstrong. How about them apples? That is Phoebe Bridgers, a very young singer-songwriter with a very, very old soul doing some really, really great music. You should check her out. That's a brand new song. Well, not a brand new song. It's a brand new version of a song you've <laughs> written on a brand new analog vinyl 7-inch, which is kind of like an EP-ish, mm-hmm. somewhere between a single and an EP. Uh, so very, very cool stuff. And we're going to hear you play some live music in just a little bit. Um, but talk to me uh, talk to me about being at the beginning of your career. You know, you've been, you haven't been writing that terribly long. You know? Yeah, I think I have been writing as long as I can remember, but uh, st- started really taking it seriously really early in high school. Okay, I was like playing with a band, mm-hmm. uh, playing around LA, and I, I guess kind of just started getting into the whole doing it as a job thing. But I've I've been pl- I played like the Pasadena Farmers Market when I was in high school for money every weekend and busking. Yeah. So I've been doing it forever. Yeah. Well, forever is not that long. Yeah. Forever for Keith Richards is forever. Forever for you is not that long. I guess that's what I'm getting at. Like you're, you're kind of, you've been doing it for a long time and as long as you can remember, but still you're at the beginning of your career. Yeah. You know, um, you know, you, so what, I mean, what are your goals in terms of your long-term goals? It's not like your dad or something, but like, you know, what are your intentions with this career in music? But like, are you, would you like to make a living at it? Do you want to be more of a performer, more of a writer, kind of both? You know, what, what are you trying both. to accomplish? I mean, I, I'm just basically trying to accomplish dog snores. Basically, I'm just trying to accomplish, you know, doing, doing it as much and not as having possible. to worry about anything else. Yeah. That's really the only, my only concern. I don't care how far I go. I just uh-huh. want to be able to do it and live. 
yeah. my life doing it. <laughs> yeah, make a living at it, I think, right. as a professional musician. Yeah. And, I mean, how close are you now? I mean, you're, are you earning a living doing music now? Uh, I mostly do commercials for a living, but sometimes I get syncs in TV shows and stuff. But it's pretty. It's really hard to just make a living, especially playing live, local live. I don't right. think anybody does that. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's it, it's it's moving closer to to that, yeah. which is awesome. And now, how far afield are you getting with your live shows? I mean, because I mean, I, I wholeheartedly agree. There's only so many times you can play in your hometown. I mean, right. sure, you can make farmers market money, but nobody's getting rich on farmers market money, or nobody's even really paying bills on farmers market right. money. It's fine. It gets you in front of people, and that's cool. But if there's one piece of advice I could give any young musician, it's to do anything you can to get out and play totally. everywhere. Totally. Everyone. I mean everywhere. Like go to Nebraska, go to Ohio, go to Iowa, go to Florida, go wherever you have to go. You know, how far afield are you getting now? Uh like people or, or oh, how, I mean, how far away? How far away from home well, are you actually, getting with your shows? Last month I played with Best Coast in San Francisco, and that was the first time I ever played outside of LA other than Nashville a few times at really small shows. Yeah. Uh I love traveling and playing. It's my favorite thing. I really look forward to touring in did, my life. How was the audience? Like how were they receptive to you as like an out of town artist? They were, were great. They, it was yeah. it was like a bar and I was just me and a guitar. So I really had low expectations. I was prepared to just, you know, pull through it and and do my best and people were really attentive and quiet. It was awesome. Now, are you of age to be in bars? Nope. Te- technically, no, right? <laughs> uh, I think they actually X'd my hands for that show. Okay. So it was really funny. So you just kind of get around that by... The know. X's on the hands, you wait in the parking lot before you play, and you know they bring you out after... Uh, <laughs> Do they, I'm imagining them like bringing you in, like handcuffing you to the mic right, stand. It's rough. It's rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we had Mason Summit on here not too long ago. He's I love also Mason. yeah, he's also a young singer songwriter. And I we did I, a songwriting class together, Peter Case's yeah. songwriting class. I love like hearing the stories about how the young players get around these sorts of things. I mean, I I went through that too. You know, it was a whole rigmarole back yeah. in the day. You know, and it's you know you wonder if you should be upfront about it and be right. like, well, look, I'm underage, and then they're just going to close the door, or you know, I guess if you're good enough, they'll just let you in, and that's that, right? It it really depends on the place. Yeah. A lot of places do not care. They'll just kick you out. Yeah. Uh, and then most places will have someone waiting outside to escort you in or yeah. they'll X your hands or, you know, make some huge deal out of it so that it's okay. And some pl- places are under the table. Or yeah. put a big scarlet U for underage. Exactly. On your exactly. Shirt. All right. So uh, Phoebe Bridgers is my guest tonight. We're talking about performing as a young musician, getting into bars when you're not old enough to do so, but not to drink. <laughs> you're there to play, which is uh, a better and more... Uh, a better proposition all the yeah. way around. It's going to get you somewhere. I mean, God knows I like a beer from time to time, but still, the music is what it's all about. Uh, how about you play a song for us? I want people to hear what you sound like. We heard yeah. what we heard a song off of your EP or the seven inches is coming out called Killer just came out yesterday. And how about a live song? What's this first one going to be? Uh, this one's Steamroller. It's on the seven inch. Um, I'm excited. About all right. It. So this will sound kind of similar to it because this is going to be an acoustic version as well, right? Yeah. All right, cool. So Phoebe Bridgers with Steamroller on Independence Day. Of being sad 
And it hits me like a sickness Or a steamroller And it makes me want to lay down And get run over But then I see Smiling makes me want to touch you, keep from dying. You're a brother to me, you're my partner in crime. You're the feeling I get when I'm feeling fine. And part of me wants you, but most of me needs you So I won't fall unless you ask me to And we talk My name is Joe Armstrong. You're listening to Independence Day, and thank you ever so much for doing so. We've got 130-plus shows now, I believe, and that is a lot of music. If you're bored at work or even if you're not, please drop by indepday.com, I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y.com. Follow us on Twitter at indepday. Check out some of these artists on here. And like, it's funny to find out they know each other. Phoebe just realized that she knows Mason, and uh, there's some other folks, you know, uh, Maxim Ludwig, who we had yeah. on you know, very, very early on. The community, you know, there's a community here. You know, and even the people who are from elsewhere, you know, they're a part of a big extended community. And I like to look at us as being on the same team. You know, do you feel that way too? Oh, absolutely. It's like a little club in LA. Yeah. I mean, people can get kind of competitive about it, but I, th- I feel like there's room for everybody. <laughs> oh, for sure. You I mean, know? as a, as a woman, it's really interesting because I'm, 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 we're rare in, yeah. in the, in the scene, especially in the, 
you know, alternative country folk scene. Right. There, you know, few and far between. And you'd think at this late stage of the game that there wouldn't be those kinds of sexism issues, but they're still there. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's just, you know, growing up, it's easier for a, a little boy to pick up a guitar and, and be supported. And, yeah. you know, a, a girl might get slack from her friends or, you know, yeah. whoever. And it's, it's just harder. So. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, uh, you know, did you come from a family environment that was supportive of Absolutely. your musical endeavors? Were they your parents performers as well? No, okay. they're just fans of music, really big music fans. I think my mom, when I was pretty little, took me to a Neil Young concert and I, I just remember being floored. Uh, so Yay, mom. Just, yeah, exactly. And hardly strictly bluegrass. I've been going since I was a kid and it's just a uh, very musical environment. That's cool. I mean, that's the best kind of parenting. It's like Absolutely. Khalil Gibran. Do you even yeah. know who he is? No. The whole, he's, a, he's, a, I mean, he's from the East somewhere. I, I feel like an idiot for not saying I don't know exactly where he's from. But he wrote a book <laughs> called The Prophet, and it's, it's, it's oh, cool. little, little short meditations on different like, things in the world. And he talks about how your children are not your own. They come through you, uh, but not of you. And totally. it is your job not to make them like you, but to support their whatever it is, whatever it is that they are. You know, so it sounds like your parents are on the right track as yeah. far as that's concerned. Absolutely. So, I mean, were they, I mean, even, even in the light of you, because are you, you're not, are you in college now? No. Okay. Just doing music. Just doing music. So even in that, they're supportive of what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So, you, so now do you, are there any kind of like, as a rules or like carrots on sticks in terms of that? No, like never. I, I'm, I support myself and it's, which is great because I can just have a healthy relationship with them and not have to, you know, be supported yeah, or worry about asking for things or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. You have, I mean, that's cool parents. Once again, kudos to your, yeah. props to your parents and the Summit parents as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, Susan, I think, is, uh, is uh, uh, Mason's mom. She mm-hmm. does the same kind of deal. Um, so tell me this, and then we want to get to another song in a minute or so, because we've got a bunch of songs to play here, and I want everybody to hear these and listen to all of them. Um, but tell me... You know, there have been so many changes that took place before you really got started in music. Like the last 10 years have been bananas in terms yeah. of changes. You know, so you're, not only are, are you an internet native, like you grew up and mm-hmm. the internet was always there. Um, and sh- sharing of music. And like Napster is old school to you. Like you were a, a I don't kid. even remember Napster at exactly. all. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like these were, these were revolutions in the music business. Um, so you operate completely in this world. Now, I'm not looking for specific numbers, but like, where does your income come from? You mentioned commercials before. Yeah, commercials, syncs, and TV shows. Uh, Bandcamp is great. Bandcamp is great for anybody, you know, who just wants to make a profit off of their music. But it's also, you know, I really respected people who put it up for free with a donation option. Right. Uh, And that's what I did. And I think it's, it's just great because... You know, music fans are broke too. It's not, right. you know, everybody's kind of getting ripped off in music, even fans. So, yeah, well, I guess that's it. Like that's that was kind of the whole reason I even started this show is that the the old paradigm uh, of making music, you know, trying to get the attention of a record label and A and R men to get an advance to then make music and then then that company takes it and distributes on a wider level. I mean, I guess that exists maybe somehow a little bit, but it's pretty much gone. It's pretty much gone. It's just, it's kind of tradition is the only thing that's keeping it around. And it's like, now it's like the Wild West. Right. The new paradigm is that there isn't a paradigm. And And the coolest thing to do is to do your own thing and do a self-release or release it all online or, you know, make people go to a certain new website or uh, some 
stream it in a different way, like a different Spotify or whatever. Yeah. It's crazy. Now, in light of that, how are you... Because that puts the onus of making your music on you as Mm -hmm. the artist in terms of financing it. Because even though it's cheaper than it's ever been, it still costs money. Mm -hmm. You know, and good players need to be paid or should be paid at least. And... So are you completely self-financing your music as well? Or do you have I've assistance never, in some way? I, yeah, well, Bandcamp, the thing that's on Bandcamp that I did with my band in high school, uh, I won uh, a Battle of the Bands at House of Blues, and they gave me recording time at The Village. So that was all free. And then the Sam release, the 7-inch, was all funded by Sam. Okay, tell me about Paxam. What's that exactly? Uh, it's Ryan Adams' label. It's uh, it's really cool. They just release seven inches every month. They're awesome. The art is really cool. It's mostly Ryan and and his friends. Yeah. Uh, it's so cool, and it's all recorded to tape. It's in his studio, which is amazing. And where is his studio? Um, it's in Hollywood. Okay. Yeah. Because he gets around. Yeah, you know, and he and he really cares about music too. I mean, there's totally, he's and a that's big the music thing, fan. and that's something I think that's it's finally turning around. And maybe maybe your history. I mean, I hope this doesn't sound terrible or, or but like your history doesn't go back far enough to know, like see it turning because it was yeah, al- well, it was already there. It feels like there's a bunch of there's a, so much is changing. It really nobody knows where we're gonna land in like yeah. two years, even yeah. like where the main place to get music will be, or right. or so, like what labels will still be around. Right, because we've got things like iTunes, which is convenient but somewhat exploitative. You know, they don't make David Lowry from Cracker is a big champion of getting artists paid yeah. by any means. And my friends and I bicker about this all the time. Like, and we agree that the old the old model is dead. But what's the new model? Artists exactly. still need to be paid one exactly. way or another. And it's not like, you know, people see the music business. I feel like, and they see the guys in the limousines and the girls in the limousines, and they see you know, the Lady Gagas of the world, the people making a ton of money, but just like any other industry, they're the top 10th of a percent. Right. Whereas the rest of us are working yeah. our asses off generally Absolutely. to do this. So anyway, while we're rolling, we're talking about all kinds of stuff with Phoebe Bridgers here. She's a young singer-songwriter based in Los Angeles. Really, really great. Good stuff. Like, it's kind of the perfect mix of, like, viscera and flowers. <laughs> Blood and roses, man. Have you got another song for us? What's uh, What else would you like to play uh, this next one's called Coming Down. It's, Tell me a little bit about it. It's uh, pretty dark. It's about drug addiction. Say it ain't so. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just based on friends with addictions that just just completely drag them down. And I, I just wrote it about like a specific time when someone was telling me about breaking up with their boyfriend or something and, and not being able to remember until a few days later that it even happened. Wow. Like just was on a completely different planet and i kind of wrote that about i mean musicians have it more than anybody else because you your schedule is is pretty loose yeah and there are a lot of demands and a lot of people who are in the arts um you know there there seems to be correlations between you know emotional issues and totally and the arts and it is what it is well not being able to most musicians like couldn't wake up at seven o'clock in the morning, go to, you know, work every day if they yeah. wanted to. So it's just a different yeah. <laughs> world. Bless, blessing and a curse. Yeah. It is what it is. Um, so that, that was going to be my question was, you know, there, there's a couple ways to write about things. Like you look about the really great writers, like the Steve Earls, the John Hyatt's, the Tom Waits, the Jason Isbell's of the world. And they either live those things themselves 
Mm-hmm. Things like drug addiction, things like, you know, Jesus, uh, Steve Earle was in jail at one point. Yeah. I um, mean, yeah, we've heard about it enough in his right? son's music. Too. Exactly. The so you, so either do it yourself or you write about it. You know, there's a certain amount of artistic license that goes into totally. that. So in this case, it's more the latter than yeah. you yourself. Definitely. Yeah. But it sounds, you know, and I've heard this track, and it, and it, but it sounds like it's coming from a place of truth. So it's not as if, yeah, that, that's, that's the beauty is. of artistic license. It was kind of about the glorification of drugs and the the amount of romance that people put into it when really it's it's just going to kill you and when you're 30 you'll look like you're 80. You so <laughs> you feel full when you're high but really you're empty. Exactly. I think well, is yeah. what, it, what it comes <laughs> down to. So anyway, all right. So, uh, this is Phoebe Bridgers with the song Coming Down on Independence Day. <laughs> Slept a whole night You're 
never once left my bedside But don't you worry about me now Just hold my hand and lay me down Hold my hand and lay me down Hold my hand and lay me down Cause nothing feels better when you're coming down Once again, Phoebe Bridgers with another astounding song here on Independence Day. Good work, Phoebe. Thank you. I can't speak highly enough of your writing. I mean, honestly, you know, I, I, I don't have a ton of time to do pre-production for these episodes, mm-hmm. but listening to your stuff, you know, even when I was listening to it, like, it grabs you. Thank you. you. Know? And to grab somebody with a whisper is even harder. <laughs> you know, not that you're super quiet, but it's quite acoustic-ish music. Definitely. So to grab with that, you know, kudos, man. Thanks so much. Woman, I should say. <laughs> Good work. Um, let's talk about something else crazy. We were talking about the new paradigm and how there's mm-hmm. just different... W- musicians are making money in different ways. Um, you had the good fortune of being on an Apple commercial <laughs> yeah. for an iPhone. Right. First, The first question I have might be the most obvious question for myself and the listeners is, how in God's name does like a kid wind up on an Apple commercial? Well, they, the casting director has known me since I was a kid. Uh, his kid grew up in LA too. And he called me and was like, do you have a girl band? Because they're looking to cast a girl band in an Apple commercial. And I was like, well... Sort of. I jam with my I don't not have friend. a girl Exactly. Band. I jam with my girlfriends all the time. So we went in, or I went in, and then got in, it. Into where? Where did you go? Into, uh, you know, uh, it, it, was a, it was like a little studio. It was cool. I just sang into a mic, and it was awesome. Really cool experience. I just, for the shoot, I just got to hang out with my friends all day and cover a Pixie song. It was awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. And so, but it was their choice to do the Pixies tune because that was kind yeah, of part of the whole that. song is a Pixies song. Right. Because if you, I mean, a lot of people have seen the ad. It's like a whole bunch of different people using their iPhone to create music. Yeah. There's a bass player tuning And it's up, all live. I recorded player. that. I recorded that into an iPhone. That track is what you're seeing me sing live into an iPhone. What a world. <laughs> which we is live so in. cool. I mean, man, the way things have—I'm going to sound like a grandpa now, man, because I'm not—I'm not that old. But the way things have changed since I was a kid. I mean, our first demo we recorded on a cassette four-track. I think we had one microphone, so everything had to be overdubbed one instrument at a time. Right. We had no mic stand, so we used a vacuum cleaner and duct tape <gasps> as a mic awesome. stand. And I mean, I'm sure it sounded terrible, but that's—you know—you make music with what you have, and people yeah. always have. So I mean, God, the tools that are available to you. Um, talk to me about how. You know, as as a writer, you know, there's so many options for technology now. You know, like you said, you recorded that onto an iPhone. You can multi-track mm-hmm. on an iPhone. That's or what an that iPad. app was, yeah. And uh, was it GarageBand or was it? No, I actually I'm totally going to forget what it's called. And it it t- took up a lot of space on the phone, but it was so cool. It was just like a, it was. I think it was a four-track. Did they give you a phone? No, because I already <laughs> had one. I was such an idiot. They were like, "What kind of phone do you have?" And I, I was like, oh, it's the newest iPhone. And they were like, oh, okay, whatever. I would have I lied. Exactly. I should have <laughs> lied. I just didn't think about it. I think my phone was also in my hand. Yeah. So it couldn't have been like What's a that? razor oh, flip phone. Yeah, exactly. That's nothing. That's my friend's phone. Yeah. <laughs> it's her phone. She right. Uh, so now, I mean, they paid you for this. I mean, again, I don't need numbers. Yeah. But you made some money doing it. They, yeah, they well, it was, the f- it was my first real paying job. So I, it was enough to 
then move out of my parents' house yeah. and, so and like get it, my own place. Yeah, that was going to be my next question was, is, is being an Apple uh, commercial, does it pay what you would consider to be well? Well, definitely for me. I mean, yeah. I, I had never made my own substantial amount of money before, yeah. so it was awesome. And it was a day, right? Just yeah. a day with you and your friends. Yeah, you know, it was so cool. Studio. Jam in the studio, get free food. It was great. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's way Not even in the studio. We were just shooting, like, in a venue. It was awesome. Yeah. Which venue? The Smell. Okay. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. cool. That's cool. Now, tell me, you know, this, this kind of ties into that whole Apple thing a little bit. Um, how do you use technology to make your music? You know, as a singer, songwriter, you're sitting in a room with your guitar and your voice. Do you just record your ideas into like the voice memo recorder? On yeah, the phone? my favorite way to record is voice memos because it sounds great compared to you know a four track demo with a yeah yeah vacuum cleaner as a yeah, yeah. stand. You know, it's it's clear, it's quick. You can just go back and listen to it. You can just redo it completely. Um, I don't need many tracks either, though. Because I, it's just me and a guitar usually. Yeah. Uh, th- so that's my favorite casual way of recording. Yeah, but then if you want to, I mean, do you then? I mean, are you the type of musician who would then flesh something out a little bit at home? Like, do you use any kind of multi-track recorder? Like, yeah, I have on your before. phone or on an iPad or on a laptop or anything, even GarageBand. Yeah, pretty much just when I'm messing around, messing around like GarageBand or Logic is fine for that kind of stuff when I'm hashing something out. Uh, when I just want to hear how something sounds, I do that. Yeah, I mean, your music stands, uh, it, it holds up very, very well with just a guitar and a voice, which I think is the hallmark of good music because it's, that's the meat of it. You know, that's what, I mean, even if you're a vegetarian, it's a turn of phrase, but that's, <laughs> that's the kernel, that's the good part. Right. Of, like, if that's good, you can dress it up however you want. You can do 96 tracks with an orchestra or you can keep it as simple as that. Yeah. If that part is good. You know, and every almost, I mean, every artist will say that. I mean, I love production. Producing an album is one of my favorite things to do. Totally. Like, should this have Wurlitzer and should this have hand claps Absolutely. and should this have this or that? Like, that's, that's like playing. But that first part of it is the hard part and getting that kernel down. I call them seeds myself, mm-hmm. song seeds. So if you look on my phone, there's hundreds and hundreds of dated song seeds. That's awesome. Because to me, that's, that's the, that kernel yeah. idea. Yeah. So, and man, <laughs> this will take you back. Uh, my first 587 song seeds are on a micro cassette recorder. Wow. You know what that is? Like yeah. A little teeny tiny, like Crazy. answering machines used to use them. Uh-huh. And at one point, as a, I transferred them all to a digital program and it took forever. And it oh, I'm sure. It me out of my mind. Yeah. But I wanted, you know, those things were notoriously uh, weak. They get, right. get destroyed. So I wanted to put them all in the digital. Anyway, I'm talking to Phoebe Bridges. We're kind of rolling through all kinds of topics about making music in the 21st century, and she's doing an exemplary job of doing so. How about another tune, Phoebe? What's next? Yeah, this one's called Waiting Room. Tell me a little bit about it. It's super, it's a super emotional love song. It's kind of the most what? vulnerable of my songs, I think. Uh, although pretty much all of them are vulnerable. This is definitely me kind of, you know, it's like my diary or something. Okay. All right. So this is Phoebe Bridgers with another great song on Independence Day. Cool. Uh, This one's called Waiting Room.
take it over and over till you notice me If you were a waiting room I would never see a doctor I would sit there with my first aid kit and bleed I wanna be the power ballad that lifts you up and holds you down I wanna be the broken love song that feeds your misery and I can wish all that I want but it won't bring us together plus I know whatever happens to me I know it's for the Joe Armstrong. Her name is Phoebe Bridgers, young singer-songwriter based here in Los Angeles, but you'll hear her sometimes in Nashville. She's got a brand new 7-inch. It's got three tracks coming. Or it's already out. It's got three tracks on it, uh, so it makes it kind of an EP-ish, single-ish vinyl kind of thing. So you have to put it on a turntable, drop the needle, and play it, which mm-hmm. is the best way. I love vinyl. Again, vinyl it's like rules. it was gone for years and years and years. Again, this kind of like predates your musical experience, but you know, there's a whole period. There's a lot of albums that I love that came out in that period that I didn't mm-hmm. even make vinyl for. Well, there's a huge resurgence of it now, which is awesome. Just quality. People like quality, I think. You know, you listen yeah. to a CD, it just kind of sometimes it's awful. 
Yeah. Uh, or an MP3 on your computer. That's the worst. You just got your yeah. like computer speakers. Uh, yeah. So, you know, there's like, it's at like 150 bucks to get a, a, a pretty cool record player. Yeah. That, you know, you can plug headphones into. You can also plug it in anywhere. You can plug it into speakers and, and uh, they're, you know, repressing a lot of yeah. old stuff on vinyl. So it's, it's, I just really love it for quality. It's awesome. And we, I alluded to this before the song, uh, but I really think we're, we're coming back around to things being a little more real now. And I don't, I don't think that people, maybe they are, maybe they aren't, conscious of the fact that we got away from the realness of music for a decade or so. You know, people were still making music, but it seems like, you know, I, I still remember I was on tour. I was on a 747 flying over the equator from Japan to Australia. I was out with a band on tour. And this is when iPods were kind of new. The band all got free ones, but I was with the crew. Um, so it was a big enough band to pay a crew to be flying around the world with them. So it was kind of a top-tier deal. Right. And I still had my, my CD disc man, mm-hmm. you know. So I had just started working with them. And here we are flying over the ocean, you know. And I'm like, oh, I want to get out a different record. So I reach around, fumble under my seat to get my bag out and my case logic thing with all my CDs in it. And I open it up and I put the thing in there, which sounds so complicated. And then here the guy next to me pulls out his iPod out of his pocket, flips around, puts it back in his pocket. And that's the moment I decided, okay, that's, I got to get yeah, one. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like the size of a pack of cigarettes, but yet it has 600, 700, 1,000 albums on it. Yeah. And then we all did that. We all got our iPods. We all lined up and dutifully gave our money to Apple. And we yeah. all got our iPods. And they're awesome. And then I had my entire collection with me at all times. They're great, yeah. And now we have the entire internet with us at all times yeah. in our pocket. And I think that's caused kind of reaction, you know, uh, in every generation to go back to analog, to go back to playing for people live in a room. Right. You know, like when you and your friends would sit around in high school, listen to music, how would you listen? Mostly iPods, mostly sit around in class and, and share iPod headphones. Yeah. Uh, or computers. Um, there really wasn't very much vinyl at all, I don't think, at least early in high school. And then kind of later in high school, it started to pick up again. You could buy like records at Urban Outfitters and Whole Foods yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I got a gift certificate for Urban Outfitters and I went in there to get a shirt and I was like, holy crap, they've got the wall. Yeah, exactly. Like I can buy a Pink Floyd album at, totally. uh, at, at uh, Urban Outfitters now. Um, so let's talk just a little bit more about technology. Now, are you, when you go to do lyrics, uh, and this is kind of a going to decide one way or another. Are you handwriting them out on something or are you typing them into a computer? Both. I mean, I'm, ne- I'm never typing into a computer unless I have to, if, unless I have to put it online for some reason. But I definitely type on my phone, on my notes, uh, if I'm just out and think of something. But I'm really, I really love the, the tradition of, of opening a notebook and, and writing it down. Also, it helps me remember them. Uh, I feel more connected to it in some ways. You keep a journal? Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's, so it's a mixture of like personal musings, like a diary, and then song stuff too. It's like all the same thing? Yeah. yeah. Totally. It makes those very precious though, doesn't it? Absolutely. Uh, man, because I mean, Springsteen at one point lost, this was years and years ago, he lost in a laptop, I think. No. And it had tons of lyrics on it. So somewhere out oh, there man. in the world is a laptop full of Springsteen lyrics that never got oh, heard by the world. That's crazy. Um, yeah, but I do the same thing. I mean, I have a, an analog notebook. Right. But I found that, you know, things like Facebook and, you know, they've, they've kind of, I've had to force myself to go back to that analog way because mm-hmm. it's easy just if you think of something, like an observation once upon a time that would have gone into my notebook and then subsequently into a song. 
for me, it's like it's really to just blast it onto Facebook, and now everybody has it. Right. And it, re- it occurred to me about a year ago, you know, if these are any good, other people who are my friends could just steal them and put them in their songs now. Yeah. So now I'm a little more cagey about what I put up there. Yeah. Because now that that's mine first. It's my idea. And at least if it's bad, allow me to suck on my own terms. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so are you, I mean, in other ways of technology, you know, kind of getting rolling with a career in music, are you using it to interact with fans? Are you using it to get new fans? Are yeah, you- I love Twitter and Instagram. It's it's not it's not really methodical. I don't think I sit down and I'm like, what will the fans like? Or yeah. what will attract people to me? I love SoundCloud for that, though. Because people just come to my SoundCloud page randomly, which is great about SoundCloud. Uh, you can hear stuff on accident. Yeah. Uh, but I love Twitter and Instagram. I think it's funny and fun Yeah. Uh, to kind of share a little bit of your life. And because my life is a lot of music, it's a lot of music is up there too. Yeah, I noticed that on your SoundCloud yeah. page. And people, and just so that people know what that is, uh, soundcloud.com slash Phoebe Bridgers is where mm-hmm. they can go to hear all these things if you want to go straight to the horse's mouth, so to speak. Yeah. But you share your friend's stuff on there and other things that you like, right? You just kind of link them right to your SoundCloud page. Yeah, I've done that. I, yeah. It's great. Very cool. How about some more music? What have you got for us? Uh, I'm actually going to play a cover, a Guided by Voices cover. I was lucky enough to see them before they broke up. Uh, last year and I love this song it's called Game of Pricks alright let's hear this Phoebe Bridgers with a cover of a song that she really really loves and it's pretty good I think you're going to like it too Phoebe Bridgers Independence Day with Guided by Voices I've waited too long to have you hide in back of me I've cheated so long I wonder how you keep track of me you can never be strong you can only be free and I've never asked for the truth but you owe that to me I've entered a game of bricks with knives in the back of me can't call you on you no more when they're attacking me I climb up on the house Weep to water the trees And when you come calling me down I'll put on my disease You can never be strong You can only be free And I've never asked for the truth But you owe that to me I've never asked for the truth But you owe that to me I've never asked for the truth But you owe that to me Once again, Phoebe Bridgers on Independence Day. I'm Joe Armstrong. She's my guest, and she gets in with uh, 130 other guests now. You're in, you're in uh, rarefied air, I think. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Lots of great artists on there. I think you should check them out. Some of, your, some of your friends have been on the show. Yeah. And maybe some of your future friends as well. Uh, another thing you got, is, you know, you had a, a song that wound up on Sons of Anarchy. You yeah. Know, tell me, like, again, you know, people listening in the middle, the, the flyover stage show, mm-hmm. we call them, you know, young musicians in another place, like... How do you get the attention of someone to get your song into a show like Sons of Anarchy? 
Uh, How did you do it, I guess? You can really only speak to your own experience. I know the creator's and the creator and the creator's stepson and Katie Seagal, the lead's son. Uh, he is awesome. We play music together sometimes, and he's a drummer. Uh, and I hadn't really met Kurt Sutter, the creator, very much. He's he's pretty quiet. He keeps to himself. And uh, when this happened, I know him very well now. But he emailed me out of the blue and asked me if I you know, could do that. And it was, it was really, really cool. And I'm a huge Noah Gunderson fan. And it it was kind of weird because he lives in Seattle. So he had to record separately. And then I was out in LA recording and it was the same track. It was, it was fun. It's awesome. The miracle of technology. Exactly. So you guys were never in the same room is what you're saying. Man, that's, that's the thing. You can do that so much now. Yeah. Uh, It's so easy to do that. You can do it on your phone. Mm -hmm. You know, you can do it right in within the texting app now. Yeah, you know, you can record a little thing. Accidentally, you can do that too. You yeah. can do that accidentally. You can butt dial people with audio <laughs> exactly. now. And people can hear all kinds of bad stuff that you're exactly. getting into without even trying. Um, I want to talk about one more topic before we get to our last song today. And this is such great music, by the way. And thank you for thank sharing you. all this stuff. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, as a young artist, especially now that we have the entire world in our pockets at all times, like the entirety. You know, whether we can choose to believe it or not, because you know. Uh, just because it's in print doesn't mean it's true, but we have the entire human experience on our phones. You know, you want to know about the Louvre, you want to know how many square foot, you know, how many, how many square footage of the Louvre in France, you can look it up on your phone and you can get that answer in 10 seconds. Um, that wasn't always like that. You know, we had to go to a book, an encyclopedia, which was at home. So if we're out at a bar, you know, it solves a lot of bar fights before they even get started. Right. Uh, or, or arguments or discussions. But being an artist who's an internet native, who's come up in this world, it's always been there to you. Uh, it seems like, and maybe this is just me projecting, but it seems like it would be hard for me to decide what to be when you've got everything Absolutely. there at all times. And as artists, we're not good at filtering things out. It all goes I'm in. I'm terrible at that. I think I process it. Like, I don't think do I've ever. I don't think I've ever filtered anything out. Luckily, I've never really had to. It didn't seem like it was. I was going all over the map or anything. It seems like it. Like I think I've I have so many influences that it's kind of become my own thing and and I don't really have to decide what what I'm gonna write. I don't have to sit down and decide. Okay, I'm gonna write a this kind of song. I can I just take whatever comes out. So you're filtering a little bit. You're just not calling it filtering. Exactly. So you're just choosing whatever. Naturally filtering. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you don't really think about it in those terms because I mean I I mean geez I I get overwhelmed even now. Yeah. Distracted, I think, is maybe another word to say it. You know, mm-hmm. there's that phone that always keeps going off. And as you start moving and shaking in your career, now people are bugging you 24 hours a day. Everybody right. wants a piece of you. So you just kind of do what you do, I guess, mm-hmm. is the answer to that, right? Yeah. All right. Well, it's a good, but it's very zen. <laughs> very zen. The, the dude would approve of that. Uh-huh. All right. So how about one more song, Phoebe, before we roll on out of here? What's this one going to be? Uh, this one's called Killer, which is the title track of the new 7-inch. Title track of the 7-inch. And people can probably, I'm, we're guessing, they're gonna, since it's analog, they're going to be able to pick it up at shows, probably. Yeah. We're going to guess. And mm-hmm. then I'm sure there'll be some, we don't know exactly what it is yet, but there's going to be some kind of distribution where people can purchase this online as well. Yeah. All right. So Phoebe Bridgers with one more song, Killer, the title track of her brand new 7-inch vinyl release on Independence Day. Sometimes I think I'm a killer 
scared you in your house Even scared myself by talking About Dahmer on your couch But I can't sleep next to a body Even harmless in death Plus I'm pretty sure I'd miss you And fake in sleep to count your breath Can the killer to do for us I am sick of the chase but I'm hungry for blood and there's nothing I can do But when I'm sick and tired When my mind is barely there When a machine keeps me alive And I'm losing all my hair I hope you kiss my rotten head And pull the plug Know that I've burned every playlist And given a Bridgers with the track killer, which is the title track from her brand new seven inch recorded on Ryan Adams' little label, all analog, uh, recorded on tape, now on vinyl. Pick it up wherever you can. Good stuff, Phoebe. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. And man, I, you know, I, I wish the best of luck to you. Keep at what you're doing. Thanks Whatever so you're doing, don't stop doing it. You know, you're already doing the things that, I mean, I was doing those things too in a kind of a different paradigm mm-hmm. back in the day, but you're ahead of the curve because you've already got your head screwed on straight. You're already writing great songs, and you're already committed yourself to doing it. So don't stop, whatever you do. Thank you. And um, be, be sure to stay in touch. Let us know where you're playing. Oh, absolutely. Let us know uh, if you've got new music coming out. We'd love to make sure the fans hear it, okay? Yeah, for sure. All right, so thank you to Phoebe Bridgers, also to the Independence Day staff, Valentino Rivera, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. The astute Tony Tonloke Piscotti manages the Independence Day website. Independence Day's theme music was composed by the also great Great Lakes Myth Society. For Independence Day, I am Joe Armstrong. Please be good to one another.